Well, hello again, all my gorgeous, fabulous listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast. Over here, we chat all about sex, sexuality, and the body. As usual, I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and I'm always delighted to be a part of the Tortoise Shack Network, where you can find tons of content on politics, culture, society, trans rights, and of course, me with the sex podcast. If you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It really does help to keep the mics on. Or if you can pop over to Apple and rate and review, that would be super. Um, you can also DM me at uh, Glow West Podcast on Twitter and Instagram if you want to reach out about the show. Today, my guest is here to reflect on a very rapidly changing Irish society and how we use um, images to hurt other people which usually images on this kind of podcast we talk about them in the more fun way but obviously we have to talk about something um on the opposite side as well and that is what we used to call revenge porn but now we refer to it as image-based sexual abuse today my guest is here as a person who has experienced this and she's going to tell us all about it and her reflections on the new law that we have as well so i'm talking to roshini lachlan who is the current vice president for equality at NUI Galway and she's currently running for president over there as well for the Students' Union. She's 21 and from Antrim and she experienced image-based sexual abuse at 17 and she has the, the I suppose the unique experience of telling the whole nation about it and having people writing about her experiences and Twitter abuse and everything else um, but you know we want to talk to actual Roisin and not talk to the people who write about her stuff. So Roisin thanks Samel for joining me today. How are you keeping? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and actually start talking about image-based sexual abuse, you know, something that has just been brushed under the carpet for way too long, the stigma associated with it. So yeah, thanks so much for giving me the platform to speak about it. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we we, we, we like talking about orgasms on this platform, but we do recognise <laughs> that sex is, you know, it's a difficult thing and there's a lot of negative aspects to, uh, you know, anything to do with sex sometimes as well. So you were, you're still very young, you're a pure baby, 21, uh, make me feel old here, but you experience this at 17, which is so young for everything let alone dealing with something that may be so absolutely traumatic do you mind talking us through what actually happened to you yeah um so as you said 17 it is very young and like you know now like I'm not that much older but I am older and even looking back I'm just like you know like Jesus like I don't know there was times where I was like I'm not gonna be able to make it through this you know that things like image-based sexual abuse make anyone feel like that you know um so like I was sexually active when I was a teenager you know most people are now nowadays and that's fine like it's our own bodies um but it was just so I was 17 it was just coming up to the weekend of my 18th birthday so I was going out celebrating with friends um and so I was I was underage and um, it was 17 you know like uh, if you're talking about like going out and like drinking I was underage as well and um, but as you do at that age drank too much you know got very drunk at pre-drinks and in the nightclub and you know the way you have like buses that go um to and from nightclubs around that age on the bus home um I can't even properly like this is how drunk I was it was probably one of like I blacked out it was I can't properly remember the exact and also when you experience something traumatic your mind does block out things um on the bus home ended up having sex with someone else um who was also very drunk we were both very drunk we were both underage 
Um, and instead of anyone going up and helping either of us or like, you know, anyone going up and stopping it and saying, look, you're drunk, you're not able to consent or like, you know, you, you'll regret this or, you know, just any decency instead of anyone coming helping us. Um, a few of the people there decided to record it instead and, you know, say my full le legal name and making commentary in the video. Um, and I, I woke up so that that that's that that was like as it happened on the night it's kind of like a big blur Um, woke up the next day you know with my friends in my room the day after being on a night out and they were my friends turned around to me and they were like do you remember anything from last night and I was like no I was like why and they were like nothing at all and I was like no and I, I honestly like my my brain was a blank do you know um and then they were like check snapchat and like check instagram and everything um and then it all came back to me because it was going around loads of group chats and going around loads of snapchats pictures and videos of me having sex underage on a bus blackout drunk um and like hundreds of follower requests on instagram loads of snaps ads on snapchats you know like it had went it went basically viral not viral like it went like within the north i suppose um and it all escalated from there and um, like it was all a big blur like I know it had this was the Saturday but it all it felt like it like it's just a big massive blur like it's hard to even articulate kind of yeah, there's um, so much in that like yeah like there's so many micro bits of trauma in it let alone the hangover that you're probably dealing with from hell I'd say after that much booze as a as a kid but Jesus like that yeah. there's so much in that like from the people who thought it absolutely access acceptable to to videotape you and say your name on it see this is where you know it come really comes into play that this act is not about sex it's about sexual violence and doing things like saying your full name is there it's, it's intended to cause maximum hurt and trauma to the person and that's what image-based sexual abuse is so somebody doing that is there going she's going to be absolutely mortified when she figures out this is happening and that's exactly like they knew exactly what they were doing yeah it really is and like the person the the people who were it was all it was all girls who videoed it as you know that like bitchy like thing you have in schools yeah. and it wasn't any of the boys the boys turned their heads and they wouldn't look um and it was the girls videoing it um and the, the girl actually the girls that were videoing it weren't really my friends they were like in my year at school but the girl who said my full name was one of the girls who stayed at my house. Like she was one of my friends, which was the most bizarre thing. Like obviously we weren't friends after that. Um, but I just had extra level of betrayal then as well, isn't it? It really was, yeah. Um so that happened on Friday, then the next morning was the Saturday. Um, and I just like it's kinda like I'm I didn't like take any heed whenever anyone would like say anything in school or like you know be like you know like just um like be bitchy and like insult and like before that like if people were having a crack I wasn't one to like take heed but with this like I it was almost like I was just like paralyzed like I stayed in my room for the whole weekend like I turned my phone off like I couldn't handle it. I didn't even go downstairs to my parents not like I just stayed in my room the whole weekend like in darkness like I didn't move from my bed I cried all weekend it's honestly like one of the most traumatic I wouldn't want it to happen to my worst enemy like I really wouldn't um and it, go, go ahead there's a there's a lot in that about how um 
you weren't you weren't the perfect victim and I think we do this sometimes in society and we're going oh but she she did everything right you know and it's like you were absolutely drunk you're doing something we might objectively look at as as doing something stupid like that's you know Mm-hmm. We do these kind of things. But none of that matters. You can drink as much as you want. You can have sex on a bus if you want, in front of people if you want. Well, obviously, there's a consent issue of having sex around people that don't, don't consent to see it. But none of that matters. None of that warrants any of this kind of behavior. So it's interesting, you know, we've seen some discourse in the media about, oh, well, they, they did everything right. They walked home at the right time. And, you know, they, they were a virgin, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, none of that matters like what you did actually doesn't matter you know it's the the actions of the people who did this to you that's where this conversation needs to be refocused but I think people get caught up in that do you find that that's people respond to you've gone that well oh well you shouldn't have gotten drunk well you shouldn't have done this you shouldn't have done that exactly yeah that that is it and the thing is everyone's doing it everyone's having sex like a lot of people are having like I know from my school like a lot of people were having sex in public but the thing is they just weren't videoed and distributed you know which they shouldn't be like it's disgusting it's illegal um but it was definitely definitely the thing we'll see when I went into school the next day we had a reading room which is like a study room everyone goes in there and they don't have classes and when I walked in it literally went silent me a 17 18 year old girl walking in to a big hall and it going completely silent it was like one two desks so I went and sat down and the girl behind me burst out laughing um like that environment is just so toxic and the girl behind me burst out laughing was saying things like oh I've no sympathy for her she had sex in public like all of this um and it was only really, that was the general attitude of everyone. Like, I have no sympathy for her. She shouldn't have had sex in the bus then if she didn't want to be, like, if she didn't want this to happen. But, I mean, like, um, like have, if you have sex in a bus, like, it doesn't mean you're asking for people to record you having sex and send it around, you know? And Absolutely. the only people who really, I thought, like, seemed to get that was my close friend group who always said to me like it was so reassuring and I've always said my friends were absolute rocks during that period they always said sure no one's talking everyone's saying how disgusting it is what you did but no one's talking about how disgusting it is that someone thought it was okay to record that Mm -hmm. and that's when like I started looking into like image-based sexual abuse as well because I was like I thought like it was just me and my friends or like at least we were the only ones speaking up about it saying like no this is actually wrong everyone else was like well sure she had sex in public you know and and even the teachers like the teachers just turned a blind eye to it and the ones that did acknowledge it made really snide comments like the principal not even the teachers the principal of the school would say to girl and I would like literally in front of me I would be in front of them in the hallway and he would say to girls in the year below don't end up like her oh my god and like I think that's just Catholic schools in Ireland for you. Like, yeah, Jesus, like, but like again, none of all that matters. You like that's what you know. Well, that's what being young sometimes is for. But it doesn't matter. Your behavior literally did not matter in this situation. This is all the fault of those taking that video, and the fault of the people sharing it, and the fault of those people making those horrible, horrible comments. And that's the victim blaming aspect of this. I wonder was that even remotely mentioned during this whole experience or was it just solely your behavior that the focus was on it was solely my behavior like and I'm not even exaggerating there was no mentions I mean I know people probably 
privately, Mike, because people from school have messaged me since I obviously came out and spoke on Joe Duffy. People from school messaged me being like, I'm sorry, I never spoke up. I always thought it was wrong. I just didn't want to be the one, you know, you know, like no one wants to be the one that speaks yeah. out in the group, you know, so. And that um, is hard for a lot, a lot of young people as well. But this is, you know, tough you know like the work that has to be done has to be done and even if they had a stepped up there and then and said I believe you or not even that I, I believe you but just you know I stand by it I think that probably may have made a world of difference to your experience it really would yeah um, and even like I don't even think you know I this could just be me I obviously haven't grown up or went to school in the republic but like in the north like and this could just be my experience I think it's so much worse like they still at least the people from my school like when I when my interview was going like was being shared a lot back in summer they still were tweeting about how it was my fault because I had sex in public and they were all liking each other's tweets and like instagrams and like you're they're adults now like we're all 20 21 22 um, and it's so horrible to see and like yeah it's, it's just horrible and um, yeah, like it's not as if you know when you when I'm thinking about it now like I was a 17 year old girl like any adult shouldn't want to see that anyway on video Um, but still my sister worked in a cafe and there was older men like 30 or 40 showing her the video saying have you seen this is this your sister and Jesus. obviously for her it's like that that's not a great experience you know but also like now like that it's disgusting and then obviously from that my sister knew my parents knew so my parents just didn't talk to me like they were so ashamed um and people would walk past us in the street together um because like obviously I didn't drive at that time people would walk past us in the street and be like there's dirty Roshi and the one that had sex in the bus um my my parents were there like uh, being a parent I I I I know like being a parent like if I'm thinking the position that my mom was in like it's obviously not nice but like you know like I really needed support back then um so like the people that did it don't they like people that decide to do that to people don't think of the consequences that it's going to have for the other person's life like me and my parent me and my mom anyway I didn't speak for years I went into first year of university having no support from my parents like I was estranged from my parents because of this for one to two years um and like my like my sister um came into my room because I these days those days like I just stayed in my room like in the dark I did my school work that like that when I did go to school because my attendance plummeted because I was just so depressed at the time um and at first she was like what were you thinking like why would you do that are you not so embarrassed and then like I I just I remember just bursting out crying to her and being like do you not realize like what they've done like they've they've recorded me without my consent they recorded a black underage girl without their consent having sex and you're not thinking you're not considering how I feel or the effect it's having on me and that's when my sister like she kind of like realized you know um, and that she had the initial hatred you know of like you need to like report them and whatever you know they need to face the consequences of this and that's another aspect of it as well and um, the police were called like I was I obviously was very young I had the support of my friends and I, I didn't want to at first but my friends so it was kind of like really convinced me and encouraged me to report it and um, but I couldn't this is how dire the state of things were at my home like the police had to come in to 
school and like chat with me in a private room in school because like I didn't even want them to come into my home like my home life was just absolutely destroyed because of this but that had happened um and I ended up not reporting it even though I had the option because it is illegal in the north I had the option because I didn't want like my thinking was that I didn't want to ruin their lives and like that that was so nice of me like thinking now like they ruined my life essentially you know and there's me not reporting them and letting them have their job opportunities etc because I didn't want to ruin their lives like but this, had... this seems like it, it's like it's like you're the personification of all these rape myths and pressure and what we say about victims in society of like oh well you know he'll ruin his life like the Brock Turner case over in the US when his dad got up on the stand and said you don't want to ruin his life for 20 seconds of pleasure and it's like first of all it was sexual assault it's not pleasure but like he was he made the choice to to do that and it's not her fault he ruined his life by being a rapist like that's 100% on him yeah like I wouldn't have even been ruining their lives I would have been updating their reputation like you know that like they did what they did and they should see that it's wrong you know it's very hard like like your cases literally ticks all those boxes of what happens when rape myths are here what happens in a rape culture like we blame the victim all the time and through all of this now we've been talking for 17 minutes I've been recording here you haven't mentioned the guy did the guy in this or I'm going to assume it's the guy that you were with apologies um I shouldn't assume um did they face any of the same fallout or because you've only mentioned did everything being pointed at yourself in this um so like he didn't really know like a lot of the a lot of the lads like around um you know like the locals would send me snapchats on night see like after this I didn't even go on nights out because one I had like my sister being like I would just keep my head down if I was you and I also didn't want to like bring any more attention to me kind of so I stopped going on nights out whereas like this lad had no like he got to continue his, his social life as nights out and locals would like send me snapchats like selfies with him with like comments or like you know him just having a great time and being called a legend and um, like there was I think there was some like joking about with him and stuff and like the rugby teams and stuff that he was in but like it definitely was not on the scale that I had you know um it sounds like he's been he's been celebrated and that typical divide of he gets called a stud and you get called all the derogatory kind of names yeah he really wasn't ostracized as much as much as I was at all that's I want to say it's shocking but it's not shocking because that's what our society does and you've literally you've said like what actually happens you know this this mm-hmm. is and this is something that victims face and again like you said you don't want to ruin anyone's life like that that shouldn't come into our thinking but it does because we be, that's all we hear in society we hear that in the media of like oh that girl got you know she was out for vengeance and it's like well, that's not what we say about victims of robbery and stuff. We don't say they were out for vengeance. They just want to have their crime acknowledged and treated like any other crime. But when it comes to sex crimes, we just seem to take this whole different approach to it. Yeah, it was really internalized. Like even me now, like obviously I'm a lot more developed in my views and I'm a lot more like informed on things. It was so internalized, like me thinking I didn't want to ruin the other, the, the people that did its lives, you know. Um, and then another thing like I know this is a bit off topic from your question but one of the things that like isn't really talked about is that like after it 
everyone was like kind of you know like slut shame and everyone I had been labeled with this like label of like the slut you know so everyone was calling me slut and I was like well if everyone's calling me it like I might as well do it you know the reaction once you've been through something like that I think it's like hypersexuality yeah and yeah. um, so then it just like cemented this view in everyone's mind that like she's a massive slut but like it's actually even if I want to go around and have a lot of sex that's fine like people like are allowed to do that but like it just people no one ever stopped to think that maybe it's a result of what happened yeah it's a trauma response in a, in a lot of cases and, and a need to regain control in, in some cases and stuff as well yeah. so completely in a normal response from that and then so, so you're in there and you were still 17 you decided not to not to press charges and, and staying in and stuff and then you moved over to college you you went over to NUI in Galway um and then how did you get involved with telling your story on um the Joe Duffy show and for my international listeners that's a, it's a phone-in radio show it's kind of like a cult thing in Ireland it's um been going for about 50 billion years at this point and normally it's quite boring and then sometimes it'll get something some kind of story on there and the whole nation will talk about it and twitter will be dominated by it and stuff like that but um generally quite tame and stays away from some topics and it's people moaning about bus timetables and stuff but your story roshin would have been quite different to the kind of content that they would normally have on that show we're not great about talking about sexual assault in ireland in any kind of nuanced kind of terms so how did that whole experience come about yeah um so when I came was and before when I came to Galway like I'd kind of been involved in politics for a long time and and I think I kind of built up like a platform from activism especially on Twitter which can be negative and positive sometimes but um um kind of built up a platform on there and there was like a lot of this was at the time last year when the me too hashtag me too movement was like finding its way to Twitter um in Ireland and everyone was talking about their stories and it was really really it was sad to see but it was like empowering and and I felt just like because this does happen to so many people so many people that like people don't realize it's actually image-based sexual abuse and I thought like with like the the large amount of following that I kind of have like I would use my voice to tell my story and to like help others and show others like it really isn't our fault and so I typed it all out. It stayed in my drafts for about a day, I think. I was shaking with nerves because all I had been used to was the hate and the slut shaming, you know, and the victim blaming. Um, but oh god, I posted it and um it it I can't remember, like it got thousands of likes, it got a lot of attention. Um and there I it was so overwhelmed with support and like I remember literally like as if it was yesterday posting it and I just like put my phone away for like five minutes I just could not look but I was so overwhelmed with the support and it was so strange to me because as I said all I had been used to was the victim blaming um, and it was just like I was crying so much and at, like good tears though was that all of the support and like people saying like this isn't your fault or like people dming me being like this happened to me too like so many dms from people saying that they'd experienced something similar um and there was loads of um, different media platforms. Um, I just happened to to click onto the one that was Joe, Joe Duffy. And I mean, like, I don't live under a rock, but I didn't really know who it was. <laughs> but um, I did that call anyway with someone who works with Joe Duffy. And they were 
scheduling a call um, or they wanted to share my story um, on Liveline, which after talking to a few friends, like Liveline wasn't really the audience that would seem, what's the word, like I, they wouldn't be very like acceptive of it. So I was kind of like, hmm, but I did it anyway. And yeah, um, I got loads of support from it. It was really it was really reassuring. It was really nice to have so much support. And it was really nice to be able to tell my story. And even like to have, like, because I remember when I was on air, some parents were on air as well. And they were almost in tears. And they were saying like how they just like didn't want, they don't want anything similar to happen to their children, you know. And like, I also wanted to um, get it out there on such a big platform to parents and to teachers as well. Because like, I feel like a lot of parents don't know what's happening in schools and a lot of teachers either I think they need to pay like you know like um, they're all doing an amazing job but pay closer attention maybe and like this is why things like like act active consent training and everything it's disclosure training is so important to have in schools because in my case like as I, I briefly mentioned the teachers and the principal were like almost as bad as the students in some cases yeah we, um, we can't separate that from anything else like you know they're products of our of our very negative victim blaming society as well but no yeah. one's going to come forward and share their story if they see teachers behaving like that so they need mm-hmm. to you know get do all the work that we all need to do of unpacking all these myths and um you know judgments that we have in our in our heads and things like that so i wonder like because i think your case was probably the first time I really thought about this and named it and obviously the terminology we were using back then was revenge porn um, and I kind of knew it knew it was there but I didn't really have names for it. I didn't really think of this as a, a thing that lots of people experience like you said you think you're the only one and you don't really think about it in terms because we don't talk about it you know that's it's just like 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 your experience was just so f- filled with shame and it wasn't it wasn't your shame to have it was the shame of the person who, who you know who recorded you it was their shame you have zero shame in the in this game you know but I think you're and I remember listening to your story and looking at, at Twitter and stuff and just being really surprised by the level of um support that you got that was really great and I think you really did open up a huge aspect in Irish society and that's like we're really terrible at stuff like that and then someone like yourself who comes along and goes I need to change this and you come along and open it up and like you said your dms were full of people saying this happened to me this happened to me and I think that that's like a change making thing and a life-saving thing for a lot of people who don't have to go through this alone anymore like you're saying there's so many people out there contacting you I can imagine that that whole journey must have been totally overwhelming again because you, you probably couldn't help revisit all the f- old feelings you had when it first came out, but now you have all these positive feelings and there's a good years long gap between the initial incident and then you talking about it. So that's a long time to be processing this on your own and stuff as well. And then in the public as well. Yeah, like I remember doing the interview, I was shaking. Like I didn't know if I was even going to be able to come across. I was literally shaking. And like, it's still such a touchy subject between me and my my mom. Um, so I didn't tell her I was doing the interview. I was at home because this was like the first lockdown. We'd all moved home. We weren't in college and everything. And I didn't even tell her that I was doing it, but she heard it on the radio anyway. So, <laughs> but um, she, I think she, like she, she, she was more understanding to how, 
I wanted to like my position in that whole situation and um, I think because we'd never spoken about it you know it's very much pushed to the side pushed to the side out of shame um but I know like it, it was such a great opportunity to like open a conversation on it and like Joe Duffy obviously gave me that such fantastic opportunity but I know as well there was people on um after me that went on like about image-based sexual abuse and like specifically like OnlyFans and there wasn't such a, a supportive and positive approach to it but like it really people need to realize it's the same thing like people like the key thing in OnlyFans is that you know it's consent consent with everything like if someone's not consenting for you to share their images or videos you know like then it's not okay absolutely and that that's part of the sex work um shame and stigma that we have in ireland and that also needs to get in the bin absolutely after that um you did mention that after it there were still um some people from the original incident that were still sharing the images around and still being quite negative about it yeah there was a lot like um on Twitter specifically and like some on Facebook um, a lot of people from school um, and I don't know whether it was a thing of like I don't know whether it was a thing of guilt that I like this is my first time speaking up about it so it was like people that knew me knew who it was I was talking about you know so they knew who it was they knew if it was them and like this had kind of they've they've seen this is like kind of going viral like if it was trending or whatever like I don't know whether it's just them being ignorant and like the attitudes in the in Irish society up north or like them just not liking me speaking up about it I really don't know but it was so negative and it was still so victim blaming oh well you don't like this you shouldn't have um had sex on a bus and the person that actually recorded it was liking these tweets saying she shouldn't have sex on a bus and like it was just it was I was so angry but like you know like I I had I had way too much support compared to the negativity to even be able to like stay angry at it if you know what I mean like there is it's still so bad like I was talking to um my best friend from home who like was my rock throughout it all and she was like their mindsets haven't changed on any of it at all like it's still so backwards yeah it sounds like it because you know uh, maybe it's too much for them to confront the fact that it is literally zero to do with you having sex on a bus and all a hundred percent to do with them making the decision to film that and release it and share it and maybe that's you know too much of a hard thing for them to realize hey I'm actually a sex offender for doing that yeah that's a hard thing for a lot of people to admit I suppose yeah I think it could be that I mean but it's it's what happened isn't it like they were in the wrong it wasn't me so and that's not me trying to sound like oh I didn't do anything wrong like no absolutely absolutely like you you didn't you know again that's you can have sex wherever you want and whatever messy way you want once it's all consensual and stuff you know and the the issue here is with the recording of that it's a hundred percent and I say this in the workshops I take and people are like oh my god but I took nudes I'm like that literally has nothing to do with this conversation what has to do with this conversation is this person chose to violate your consent and your body and your autonomy and that is what the conversation is about nothing to do with what the person did so and I think like you know obviously you had 
that experience with, with um, Joe Duffy. And then we the kind of campaign kind of stepped up a little bit to get legislation passed because at this time it was illegal up the north because they're under UK law, but in Ireland it wasn't um, illegal. And then there was massive push for this. And of course, last November we heard about a Discord server leak where there were like hundreds of thousands um, of images of um, children and women uh, leaked online. And then that was kind of almost the final push to get the legislation over the line when I think politicians were like, okay, we can't actually ignore this anymore, which they had been doing for a number of years. How do you feel after all that and feeling that the law is now finally in place? Because like, that must have been a roller coaster journey in itself. Because I know you spoke out quite a lot about this in the media as well. Yeah. Um... I think having laws in place is important like it's obviously like it makes people feel protected and like if it does happen they have that to fall back on I also like I also think there's such a level of distrust in the Gardaí you know like there's been so many cases where the Gardaí have been complicit so there is that other side of it as well like I was wary like I don't trust the Gardaí to handle it correctly if I'm being like completely honest in all cases um, I really don't um, but like it is there and it's it's a positive change that it's there because it's so prevalent in society Um, I think like I have heard of some instances where the law is being used negatively like for example because it's like online like harassment and communications Um, there are like people on the far right online um, using that to like report report um report silly things online you know when this this law it was really like the moving force behind this law was all the end image based sexual abuse campaigners um so like i i hope it it is a positive change like and i hope it i hope it serves justice like for victims in the future yeah, um, but it's only one aspect of what, what we need to do. And I'm always more of an advocate for culture change rather than legislation yeah. because while legislation is great in some aspects, like you said, if we don't trust the people, we're, you know, enforcing it and stuff, it's not much use then in that case. So if we were to talk about a whole culture change and where where this just didn't happen and it wasn't acceptable all around, what, what would you like to see happen in order to make a culture where... It, this wasn't a laugh this wasn't something cool to do yeah definitely agree on the culture change there I think consent um training and consent programs in secondary school is so important I really think that's where it should start like in first year secondary school and I don't think the cup of tea video is adequate like it's really not and I think these things need to be addressed like, like my like I went to a catholic school and it's just not talked about any terms of sex like we didn't get any sex education you know we were told like abortion is evil like it's same-sex marriage evil but we never like never never even the basics nothing um but that's we need to start talking about it and we need because these things are happening in schools and like the teachers know like everyone knows these things happen in school like most people are having sex like in the older levels of school you know so it needs to be talked about it needs to be image-based sexual abuse I think is so common um in schools so that really it needs to be on the curriculum um even like after what had happened to me happened um and I was saying like I didn't go on nights out much I was at home and my friends were snapchatting me saying oh there's a girl there's a girl and a boy at the back of the bus um like do like engaging in sexual activity and people are videoing it oh like she's so drunk oh my god and I was like 
is is anyone helping her has anyone went up and spoke to her and my friends I guess it's like my good group of friends who know knew it happened to me they were like no it just kind of happened um and like I like it's just like why can't like it needs to be there on everyone to be like stepping in and realizing like it's wrong what happens and it really does I really do believe it comes from education it shouldn't just be the victims like the survivors people that's already happened to to step up and say this is wrong actually like it should be common uh common sense absolutely like like you can be that one good adult you have that choice to be a one good adult or you have a choice to let this continue and I know it's a hard one but at the end of the day it's the right choice to you know for one person to step up and go hang on a sec this isn't right here I think with, with yourself Roisin and you know like you're saying if you're sitting at home and people are sending you all those images like that must be re-traumatizing in itself as well and here you are talking to me and you know I, I've already said I'm uncomfortable asking you to talk personally because normally we don't get too personal on the podcast um but you know your story really highlights how that level of trauma can kind of go on and on and on and on and um having to share your story all the time to you know enhance this conversation like how does that feel for yourself like you're so young still you're only 21 you know it's it must be a lot to take out of you yeah it's a lot like I I wish it hadn't happened to me but like it's also made me like such a stronger person for such a young age and even the fact that I was like estranged from my parents for a while like I I think I I became like more independent from it and I've sort of like seen society in a different lens and like I know as you're saying like it's hard to be the person that is like the only person in your year your friend group that stands up to something and is like that's actually wrong because you don't want people to fall out with you but like you have to and everyone like everyone knows someone in school that has been like slut shamed or like you know that has like a bad reputation and I'm doing like quotation marks here like a bad reputation um but the reality is like there's probably lots more going on behind the scenes like I know it's so cliche but you really never know what anyone is going through and I think to just like and again so cliche but like to just be a nice person like be sound um don't like judge anyone don't like don't slut shame don't victim blame um like it 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 was obviously a very traumatic thing, but I don't mind talking about it almost now because if it's going to help other people and help other people realise they're not alone and that it's not their fault, you know, then yeah. I suppose it's like doing something positive. Absolutely. And it is absolutely not their fault. I think your case is also important for changing the conversation and expanding because sometimes we only think of this in terms of a male boyfriend doing this to a female girlfriend and that's what a lot of the media cases seem to be but yours was a group of girls doing this to you and that you weren't in intimate relationships with it was essentially like classroom bullying it's like the more modern version of it in my day it was just like you were just called names and rumors were spread but now there's like videotapes evidence to go along with this so how do we how do we get that message across um in a true a bullying perspective yeah um yeah it was well, it is often like it's always the boyfriend or like you know the ex or something but in my case it was girls and classmates and it was really like malicious it was like this thing of like I don't know wanting like power or something like wanting people to know that you're the one that saw this you're the one that like recorded this I don't know but 
um just like education like raising awareness that it's not always boyfriend or the ex um and uh, like we've mentioned like the society like society of shame like I think probably internalized misogyny probably came into it a lot like like it's in a lot of like a lot of women a lot of us have internalized misogyny and have probably slut shamed other people in our lifetimes um and I think it's just unlearning that and yeah it comes into the education thing that I kind of touched on absolutely we've all like you know we grow up in families that do we grew up in a media that does it we grow up in you know schools that do it all that kind of thing it's really hard to pick that apart and kind of recognize it I've gone oh this is actually not a bad thing what am I actually even saying here you know things like that and then yeah the projection on ourselves there's a whole big big thing to it I suppose as well but I suppose going forward you know you're currently thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to me because you're currently running for a student union president over in Galway which is an enormous university there's thousands and thousands of students there um and you have been welfare officer or uh, sorry um vice president for equality up there how how do you see universities tackling this um and you know again if you were you know hopefully successful in a few days in, in your run to be president I think naming this and making it over part of a campaign is is radical and new and fantastic in Ireland and um, but what does that look like in reality for everyday college students you know going on and dealing with this yeah um well in NUAG we're so lucky to have the active consent team who roll out their um training and their workshops and they rolled out their training it's like 30 minute training uh, very basic stuff but like really important stuff to all the first years of orientation this year so things like that like continuing that having consent training at orientation every year having it for every year group um i as welfare officer mandated every future welfare officer to have at least one workshop on image-based sexual abuse specifically every year or every semester sorry so like continuing things like that and not shying away from the conversation making sure I feel like if, if your student union is being vocal about it then it makes it easier for victims to come and like know that they're in a safe space and that they won't be pressured to like report or they won't be judged you know um so yeah to consent education and training um starting having conversations about it um, I think the media has a huge part to play, you know, like we, we're, we still see headlines as like had, you know, we, we see headlines that say stuff that are, you know, they like have a nice wordplay on like things like sexual assault and rape when it should actually just say sexual assault, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I think we all have a part to play. And I think it's really important that we have someone who is really strong, like advocating for this stuff in those positions. And then, you know, with all your experience and, and everything you've learned on that, you know, there's still people who deny that this is an issue and they deny that we live in a rape culture. And there was even an article out the other weekend that said, oh, we don't live in a rape culture in Ireland. What, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's absolutely wrong. Like I've experienced it firsthand, you know, um, I think the, the research that Active Consent did as well showed that over 50% of people experience sexual harassment in their first year of college. 50% of first year, that is a big number. Like, we do experience rape. Like, it's not even, I don't even think it's up for debate. Like, it's just anyone, like, we all know someone that has experienced sexual assault. 
but yet like no one seems to know a friend that has done it you know and that's a problem in itself like where are they they're they're hiding like amongst us you know like and it comes out often you know like we see all the me too stuff on twitter and everything and like in the media like it comes out and everyone's like oh we wouldn't have expected it from that person etc but like it is there and like as well like and this comes into the lack of education like so many people don't realize what well first of all a lot of people don't realize they're had experienced sexual harassment until years later because of the way it's not talked about because of lack of education but like a lot of people try to say that what they're doing isn't sexual harassment like sending a nude or you know someone else's nude or like catcalling someone like that is harassment and people just try to play it off as not or a joke but it is and it comes into a society of you know like rape culture absolutely like there's so much more that I could say on it but it's just so it, there's so much to it you know there really is and I, I think what you're naming there is something that you know when I've spoken like this before people almost seem shocked that like sexual violence is a spectrum and there's quite a lot of it you know it, it's it varies and some people only think it's in-person sexual abuse and there's actually so much more of it and I think part of that is like we don't have those words some people don't know sexual violence is a spectrum and some people don't know the many forms I can take so naming it as sexual violence is really important but again like you said that's education and consent uh, workshops and, and, and everything else kind of around that and stuff so um yeah so I suppose just to finish up we'll finish up on a, ha- a happy note I suppose um what, your advice to people who are going through this at the moment like you are a shining example of it does get better absolutely but you know where are your thoughts on, on you know how those people can go forward and you know reclaim their experiences yeah I mean when it happened to me it was one of the darkest experiences like I really 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 did not see like light at the end of the tunnel I suppose I really didn't think it could get better but it can and if you want to look at me for that to show like it can and it's absolutely not anyone's fault like they have done nothing wrong and if you're listening to this and it's happening to you you've done nothing wrong it's not your fault at all Um, you didn't ask for this to happen and you didn't deserve for it to happen Um, try and surround yourselves with like a good support network if you can or reach out to somewhere that does offer it whether it's like your local rape crisis network or you know women's aid but do try and surround yourself with good people whether it's family or friends um, and try I would say as well and I didn't really do it but try to reduce your intake of social media because there is a lot of I know we're moving away from it now but there is a lot of victim blaming still and a lot of negativity on it um, but it does get better and it will get better and this is just a tiny speck on everything you're going to achieve in your life <laughs> absolutely and and you, you know people are more than what happens to them in that case and stuff and like you said there absolutely is support out there um regardless of of gender as well um for those who are in ireland the women's aid phone number is 1-800-341-900 the number for men's aid is 0 one 
811 and all those places have um, trained staff, you know, on board ready and, and willing to talk as well. And if you're in college, your, your student union welfare officer is there to support you as well. And the Rape Crisis Centre phone number is one 800 And you can find all those numbers and services online as well. Um, Roisin, listen, thanks Amel for chatting to me today. I really appreciate you sharing this and I do apologise for asking. I feel really uncomfortable asking about, you know, personal kind of stuff, but, you know, that's what we said we were going to talk about today, but I I think it's really important to show your story for like what the reality of this is and uh, highlighting it's not a joke, it's not harmless, it's not just like a bit of a laugh and it's certainly not porn, it's violence. And I think that's something I think that we really need to refocus that conversation on and also to get the message out there that this is 1,000 billion, million, trillion times not the fault of the person who is being recorded. It is all on the person who does that recording and sharing. So listen, thanks, Mel Roisin. Um, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with yourself? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Honestly, like if I need to talk about it, I will. I don't mind at all. Um, on Instagram, it's just RoisinXO, Twitter, I think. Twitter at the minute is Roisin for Prez but hopefully that'll just be it just if you search Roisin McLaughlin that'll come up and if you're wanting to get in contact with the students union it's N-U-A-G-S-U fantastic thanks Mel and listen best to look at the in the campaign as well we'll we'll keep our ears tuned for for a good result for you for that one thanks Mel <laughs> thanks and thanks Mel to all my listeners um again like we said this is you know a little bit of a departure from our usual fun topics and things like that but something that also definitely needs to be talked about and if you are listening and this has been your experience you know you're not alone there are people out there who care about you and will support you and will you know link you in with the right services if you're stuck and want to know where a service is just drop me a dm and I'll find the right service for you and refer you on that way um, my Instagram Instagram and Twitter is Glow West Podcast. And again, um, if you want to get in touch, that's absolutely no problem at all. So thanks for listening and we will tune and talk in to you next week. Thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week.